The Unabomber. Did you follow this? The whole country did for decades. Some madman somewhere, we didn't know who he was, sending bombs in the mail to professors, advertising executives, lobbyists. He killed three people, injured, I believe, dozens more. We finally found out in the mid-1990s that the Unabomber was Ted Kaczynski. Uh, he died over the weekend at the age of 81, found dead in his uh, jail cell in North Carolina. Uh, Kaczynski was a brilliant young man, off the charts brilliant when he came to math. He went to Harvard, became a uh, professor at the age of like 24. Good at books, not good at life. This case has always fascinated me. There are a couple of things to go over here. Number one, the FBI screwed up the investigation. The CIA may have played head games with him when he was just a child, technically. At one point, when he was a young man, he wanted a sex change operation. And there's also this. There's a hero in this story, and his name happens to be Kaczynski as well. Now, here are the Kaczynski brothers. That's uh, Ted on the left and David on the right, about seven years younger. They grew up in Chicago, and uh, ultimately, David would turn this man into authorities. He figured out that it was his brother. Uh, after a manifesto was printed in the newspaper uh, from him, and they were able to figure out, hey, this looks like the writing of my brother. Um, so a couple of things here. Number one, young Ted Kaczynski, when he was in his 20s and a graduate student, actually wanted a sex change operation. Um, this is in a new documentary from Netflix, a couple of years old, actually. Uh, did you know this? Ted fantasized about being a woman because I think he couldn't have relationships with women. He'd never had an experience with a woman. So for whatever reason, he wanted a sex change. So he made an appointment to go see the University of Michigan psychologist at the health service, and uh, he went to see them and at the last minute decided he didn't want to talk about having a sex change. He decided he couldn't go through with it. He couldn't talk about his erotomanic fetishes. He couldn't talk about his desire for a sex change. He described feeling extreme violent anger towards the psychiatrist. So I know it's Pride Month and everyone's waving the gay pride flags that now has a transgender wedge on one side. Um, a serious reminder here that transgender is often akin to a mental illness, and we should take it seriously. Uh, one of his many, many problems. All right. Also, Ted Kaczynski, when he was a student at Harvard, uh, well, the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, they were funding experiments all over the country, and it looks like Ted Kaczynski participated in one of them. He volunteered, and it may have, may have, messed up an already fragile person even more. We began to think about how this three-year experiment in which Ted was involved, that that might have triggered his schizophrenia. I think it would be a mistake to have this simple reductionistic formula and said, oh, you know, Kaczynski was made into the Unabomber at Harvard. That's much too simplistic, but certainly those studies were were harmful to him. That's Dave Kaczynski, the younger brother. More on him in a little bit. And uh, that was his wife speaking as well, who was able to really crack this case wide open. Uh, more about what Ted Kaczynski went through at Harvard, possibly under the care of the CIA. 
Ted was deceived. He didn't know that this person had a script and the person's objective was to humiliate and traumatize him. On this uh, avoiding of, uh, of society or of this uh, society is a, is a bad thing. Is that why you're trying to grow that beard? No. I mean, are you conforming yeah. with the non-conformist? No, I'm not conforming with the non-conformist. Well, if I were conforming with the non-conformist, if I were conforming with the non-conformist, I mean, really, this isn't really a beard yet. You're darn right it's not. Ted was a child when he was exposed to these experiments. He was 16, 17, so it is absolutely possible that this study had a profound impact on Ted's neurobiological development. The Central Intelligence Agency running experiments on college kids. I know it was all the way back in the 1960s, but man, maybe the government is and was a little bit out of control. What do you think? And the FBI. Now, um, if you watch this documentary and you read the books, it seems like they should have solved this case well before the manifesto was published. So the manifesto, uh, the Unabomber reaches out to the Washington Post, New York Times anonymously and says, hey, if you print this, I'll stop killing people. And it was a big statement of his mission. A lot of people are giving it credit now, like, "Ooh, what an interesting thinker. I think it shows that he's a crackpot, possibly in line with Antifa. Uh, but they went ahead and published it because they thought maybe somebody would see the words and think, I recognize that guy. Sounds like Joe at work. Well, Dave, his brother, married to a fine woman uh, who Ted never really liked, and they figured it out. It was the brother. They had to think about it. They had to be careful. They had to make sure, but they finally did, and they went to the FBI. And guess what? The FBI leaked it. He said one thing, look, you got to get my brother. We know he's the Unabomber, but please don't tell anybody that we told you about this. Keep us out of the news. Keep it anonymous. Can you do that? And they didn't. And there's my brother and he's, gosh, he's looking like a mountain man, all torn clothes, scraggly hair. And we were so mad at the FBI because they had promised that our names would not be revealed and uh, that they would notify us ahead of time before the arrest was made. The FBI has arrested a suspect in Montana after he was fingered by relatives. First of all, that word fingered bothered me. Um, it doesn't really encapsulate what we went through in terms of the process and the, the care and the grief that went into um, what we did. Yeah, if you watch the whole documentary and read a book, I'll tell you about in a moment, you can understand where this guy's coming from. There's so much he had to deal with, but there's a beautiful aspect to this story. One of the victims, Gary Wright, picked up a box from the Unabomber in a Utah parking lot in 1982. He was severely injured, but he survived. And decades later, he would make friends with the Unabomber's brother, Dave Kaczynski. It's really, it's really nice. He called one evening and he had to leave a message. And so I was like, ah, well, I'm David Kaczynski. So really uncomfortable for him. But a little while later, when he and I finally connected, I just said, hey, David, this, this isn't your burden to carry. It's going to get better, but you can't carry this one. And so I said, if you ever need to talk, just feel free. 24-7, just call me. And he's become a dear, dear friend of ours of many years standing. I just find that beautiful and moving that something 
something good could come out of all this. By the way, the Kaczynski, Dave Kaczynski, he got a million dollar reward from the FBI. And after legal costs, they gave about $700,000 to the families of the victims. So you can watch this on Netflix. Netflix does have a few good things on it. Unabomber, in his own words. Or read the book, Every Last High. I'm about two-thirds of the way in. I just downloaded it this weekend, the story of the Unabomber and his family. And um, just an amazing story. And his mom and what they went through. Tough, tough stuff. But they did the right thing. And uh, wow. All right. Now this. Where's the money? I'm joking. Mr. President, Mr. President. It's a bunch of malarkey. Just a bunch of malarkey? That might be on tape. It might not be malarkey if it's on tape. We just heard not too long ago that um, there's some crucial evidence that may blow his administration wide open. Now, of course, you know that Hunter Biden had that shady job with Burisma for $83,000 a month, $3 million signing bonus. It's totally crazy unless... Well, they hired Hunter to get things done and paid him to get things done, like fire that pesky prosecutor Shokin, who was looking into Burisma. Makes a lot of sense when you look at it that way. Well, Chuck Grassley was on the Senate floor not too long ago, and he says that there could be audio tapes that confirm all of this stuff, the bribery and implicating Hunter and Joe directly. Could they be on tape talking about payment? Listen to this. Allegedly bribed Joe and Hunter Biden allegedly has audio recordings of his conversation with them. 17 such recordings. According to the 1023, the foreign national possesses 15 audio recordings of phone calls between him and Hunter Biden. According to the 1023, the foreign national possesses two audio recordings of phone calls between him and then Vice President Joe Biden. These recordings were allegedly kept as a sort of insurance policy for the foreign national in case that he got into a tight spot. The 1023 also indicates that then Vice President Joe Biden may have been involved in Burisma employing Hunter Biden. Wow. Now, he hasn't heard the audio tapes. We haven't heard the audio tapes, but they may exist. And I know one audio tape that does exist, a call between Joe Biden and the president of Ukraine. I mean, how many countries did Joe call and say, you got to fire the prosecutor? I have a feeling it's only the country where his son was working for $83,000 a month. Yesterday, I met meet with the general prosecutor Shokin. Yes. And despite of the fact that we didn't have any corruption charges, we don't have any information about the, he doing something wrong, I especially asked him, no, it was the day before yesterday, I especially asked him to resign. Great. And this is my second step for keeping my promises. I almost sense relief in Joe's voice. Hmm? He earned the five million dollars. Could that be why he's so? Because you get five million dollars, you got to do something for it. We'll see. We haven't seen the evidence, but it's looking very, very interesting. All right. Stay with me. I've got something to say about the indictment of Donald Trump. 
It is ludicrous, and uh, you won't get this anywhere else. I found something very interesting. Be right back. Uh, look at that. Cable news in uh, full overdrive meltdown mode. Donald Trump on the move to that Miami courtroom tomorrow. He left New Jersey. He's in Miami right now to face this ludicrous case about the documents. Um, they're going to regret this. It's just making him stronger. And this case, I think it implicates the prosecutors. It implicates the Biden administration. They should not have brought this case. Um, and I know that because I followed the advice of the special counsel, a guy named Jack Smith. And Friday afternoon, he kind of gave me a homework assignment. This indictment was voted by a grand jury of citizens in the Southern District of Florida. And I invite everyone to read it in full, to understand the scope and the gravity of the crimes charged. Then I did that. Very few people did that. You got to admit, not too many people did that. The legal analysts, they did it. They skimmed it. Uh, but you don't have to be a lawyer to look at this and know that it's a scam. Number one, in that indictment, they put some pictures in the indictment to scare us. Ooh, look at all these boxes. The classified documents in the boxes, these pictures are actually in the indictment. And there are dozens and dozens of boxes. So I went through the indictment and saw that how many documents, classified documents, did the FBI actually recover? 102, 102. So everybody, I got a box right here, all right? This is one box, one box. And inside I have 600 pages. That's 600 pages. From Staples, this is 500. And this, I opened another, this is about 100 right here. Can I see those pictures again? Why were they in the indictment? Why were they wall-to-wall -wall television? Why? Because they want to uh, put it in everybody's head, potential jurors' heads, that this stuff is full of classified material. It's not. One box? You can't, not even one box. That, I think, is kind of major. Maybe that's just me, but I saw something else in this indictment that really upsets me, and it should upset you. The lawyers, they got the lawyers to talk about private conversations with Trump. Attorney-client privilege, anyone? I mean, even the guy accused in Idaho, you know the guy who went into that sorority house allegedly? Yeah, he has attorney-client privilege. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, I believe, had attorney-client privilege. Uh, the Murdoff, you know that Murdoff guy in South Carolina? Everything he told his lawyer, we don't know that. One more. Charlie Manson had a lawyer, and he could tell him anything. Isn't that basically understood in our system, attorney-client privilege? Not when it comes to Donald Trump. They come after his lawyers. Oh, boy, Rudy. Poor Rudy Giuliani. Uh, his license has been suspended, not on the merits, just as political payback. How about Michael Cohen? I haven't heard anybody talk about, hey, attorney-client privilege. You were recording your own client. That is hideous. Well, in this indictment, there is Trump attorney number one, whoever that is, talking about all kinds of conversations with uh, Donald Trump, his client. Trump attorney one reminded Trump that attorney one was going to review the boxes. Next. After Trump attorney one confirmed that he was finished with his search of the storage room, Trump asked, did you find anything? Is it bad? Is it good? Now, <laughs> this has got to be coming from the attorney, right? And that's totally unfair. That's totally un-American. And as a client, he has some questions for his attorney. 
I don't want anybody looking. I don't want anybody looking through my boxes. I really don't. I don't want you looking through my boxes. You know what? I don't want anybody looking through my boxes, through my stuff. I think I'm allowed to tell my attorney that, and so is he. Nobody wants this, and you're allowed to say things like this. You're allowed to say out loud, well, what if we, what happens if we just don't respond at all or just don't play ball with them? These are things, you know, it would be one thing if Donald Trump was about to kill somebody, right, and the lawyer called the police, but to force a lawyer to come forward and about these kinds of conversations, where is the box, when is the box, that's hideous, and everybody should know that. And this, wouldn't it be better if we just told them we don't have anything? And, well, look, isn't it better if there are no documents? You're allowed to ask your lawyers questions, right? And, oh, by the way, if this is, this is a lawyer's recollection, uh, but it goes back to what Judge Jackson said about all this stuff. The decision to segregate personal materials from presidential records is made by the president during the president's term and in his sole discretion. I think that goes all the way back to the Clinton administration. So if we don't have anything here, have anything that you're privy to as the National Archives? Anyway, they're bullying this guy and they're counting on the ignorance of the American people. They're trying to fool us with this classified document talk. It must be serious, right? It's classified after all. The single most important piece of evidence in this case is that audio tape. The most damning piece of evidence to me is the audio tape. I think the most damning piece of evidence in the entire case, and I think brings it from a strong case to a very strong case, is the audio tape. They really are fools and liars. I got to tell you, because the audio tape, if it does exist, um, well, presidents have discussed classified information with journalists and with political allies before it happens. So apparently this comes down to Iran. Uh, the president may have shared information or at least that we have a plan to attack Iran is said to have described a potentially classified document where we attack Iran, uh, I would be shocked if we did not have a plan to attack Iran. So apparently General Milley was going around telling everybody Trump was so crazy he wanted to attack Iran. Uh, Trump was pointing out they're the ones who actually came up with the plan. So the plan exists. Is it really that much of a shocker that a president of the United States would be discussing this with a journalist or with a political ally? No. Presidents do this all the time. Uh, these guys, the presidential bros, I like to say, they shared classified information all the time with people who were not supposed to see it, namely fake news reporters. At least they weren't authorized to see it. They had no background check. They had no access, classification. They had no, anyway, happens all the time. New York Times, 2006, Bush advisor's memo cites doubts about Iraqi leader. A classified memorandum by President Bush's national security advisor expressed serious doubts about whether Prime Minister Nuri Kamala Maliki had the capacity to control the sectarian violence in Iraq. The November 8th memo was prepared for Mr. Bush and his top deputies by Stephen Hadley, the national security advisor. An administration official made a copy of the document available to a New York Times reporter seeking information on the administration's policy review. The Times read and transcribed the memo. Huh. Democrat lodges complaints over leaks from Bush camp. In two stinging letters to the Central Intelligence Agency, a lot here, uh, Senator Rockefeller, the West Virginia Democrat, chair of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, complained that the administration had provided a 
torrent of classified information to journalist Bob Woodward of The Washington Post for his 2002 book, Bush at War. In his letter in March to the agency's director, George Tenet, Mr. Rockefeller argued that senior administration officials appear to have engaged in a brazen effort to exploit highly classified information for partisan purposes. He added that the disclosures of so much information for Mr. Woodward's book send a message, whether in the White House or elsewhere in the government, that leaks of classified information receive blessings from the very top. In the book, Mr. Woodward wrote that he had been given access to contemporaneous notes, which are classified, taken during more than 50 National Security Council and other meetings. This is routine, folks. How about this one? For president, first a leak, now a jam. That President Bush authorized an aid to disclose classified intelligence on Iraqi weapons, as asserted in court papers, comes as no shock to official Washington. The leaking of secrets has long been a favored tool of policy debate, political combat, and diplomatic one-upsmanship. We've had leaking of this kind since the administration of George Washington, said Rick Shankman, a presidential historian for George Mason University. Without the use of secrets, Mr. Frankel argued at the time, there could be no adequate diplomatic, military, and political reporting of the kind our people take for granted. Also, sometimes presidents say secret stuff out loud to millions of people. There have also been cases in which presidents, in the heat of the moment, have spontaneously revealed secrets. During the 1964 presidential campaign, under attack by Barry Goldwater, the Republican nominee, uh, as soft on defense, President Lyndon Johnson chose to reveal the existence of a highly classified experimental reconnaissance aircraft, the SR-71 Blackbird. And it goes on and on like this. Rumsfeld did it. Rumsfeld, two days before he left, he submitted a classified memo that everybody saw that acknowledged that the Bush administration strategy in Iraq was not working and called for a major course correction. The memo's discussion of possible troop reduction. It also puts on the table several ideas for troop redeployments or withdrawals. This is specific stuff. Told that the New York Times had obtained a copy of it, a Pentagon spokesman, Eric Ruff, confirmed its authenticity. This is how it goes in the swamp, except when it's Donald Trump. Everybody else they protect. Hillary Clinton. Oh, boy, did they protect her. I mean, her emails. Oh, by the way, according to Jim Comey, there is a very good chance they made it into the hands of our enemies. Yes, of our adversaries. He said it out loud. Now, the indictment only alleges that some author saw that memo. Maybe. And some political ally, not an adversary, but an ally. Anyway, there's classified material, and then there's classified material. The swamp, they have all kinds of customs that serve them. Barack Obama, April 2016. Here's what I know. Hillary Clinton was an outstanding Secretary of State. She would never intentionally put uh, America in any kind of jeopardy. And what I also know, because I handle a lot of classified information... Uh, is that there are there's classified and then there's classified. There's stuff that is really top secret, top secret, and there's stuff that is being presented to the president or the secretary of state that you might not want uh, on the transom uh, or you know, going out over the wire, but is basically stuff that you could get in open source. Open source. You can Google it. So there's classified and then there's classified. So what did Donald Trump have? Was it classified or was it classified? 
Uh, it's a game they're playing. Uh, notice they only impose the rules. They only want to catch Trump. Joe Biden, does anybody remember this? This is how we found out about the Corvette, oh, by the way. A chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage, okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So but anyway, in a garage. yes, as well as my Corvette. The secret documents that he had no, there's no right whatsoever. He never should have had him at the House. Never, ever. President Trump is a former president of the United States. It's a, to, it's a world apart from the, uh, Joe Biden's status. And oh, by the way, this is important. January 20th, 2021, Donald Trump leaves the White House, okay? Remember this, he leaves in the morning. He doesn't go to the inauguration. Uh, the documents leave the White House as well that morning. He's still president of the United States. He arrives in Palm Beach at what time? About 11 in the morning. He's still president of the United States. He goes to Mar-a-Lago. What time is it by the time he gets to Mar-a-Lago? 11.32 in the morning. All these documents, they're with him. He's president. He has access to everything that exists. No problem whatsoever. When did Joe Biden actually become president? Uh, he jumped the gun, 11.47 in the morning. And um, look, they're playing a game on the American people. They are. They're playing a game with us. And they want you and me to be intimidated by this whole classified documents thing. Because we're kind of fascinated by classified documents. Most people have not seen classified documents. The only thing they know about classified documents maybe is this great line from Top Gun. Who remembers? Excuse me, Lieutenant. Is there something wrong? Yes, ma'am. The data on the MiG is inaccurate. How's that, Lieutenant? We happened to see a MiG-28 do a 4G negative dive. Where did you see this? That's classified. It's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Oh, Tom Cruise, Maverick. Uh, but we're fascinated by that, right? Well, classify, classify. That must mean very, very special. They're playing a game with us, and it's a sick game, and they're not going to win. Good luck to President Trump tomorrow. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Tony Marino. You know the old saying, good things come in small packages. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier is about the size of your hand, but powerful enough to kill viruses, mold, and odors quickly. I now have a couple of these in my home, and it is amazing how we can actually smell cleaner, fresher, healthier air in our home. My wife, who suffers from allergies, is especially happy with it. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier, you uses proven oxy technology to purify the air. I don't know all the technology, I just know it works. And because it's not a filter, you don't have to keep on buying filters. It has no filter. You just plug it in. And right now you can save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack for whole home protection. Simply go to EdenPureDeals.com and put in discount code GREG to save $200. That's Eden, E-D-E-N, PureDeals.com, discount code GREG, and shipping is free. So the Unabomber case finally uh, solved back in the 90s, and uh, Ted Kaczynski was the guy, died over the weekend at the age of 81. I, I... I was fascinated by this case, but there was a lot I didn't know about it. Saw some documentaries this weekend, read a few books, and uh, 
Did you know that he may have been subjected to CIA torture when he was in college? Uh, totally fascinating. And uh, take a look at this. Those experiments could have really fueled the fire and really made him distrust the powers that be, the authorities, and be hostile towards them. And it's not hard to imagine that when he's being attacked and discredited and broken down, he's going to have to have some sort of counterattack psychologically. So he's going to have to become counter-rigid, counter-certain, and counter-hostile. And then he just turns that into behavior in the world. That's Dr. Colin A. Ross, uh, MD, and he is the author of The CIA Doctors, Human Rights Violations by American Psychiatrists, featured prom prominently in that Netflix documentary, Unabomber, in his own words. Uh, Dr. Ross, welcome to Newsmax. Many thanks. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. So give us an idea of what Kaczynski went through when he was at Harvard during this psychological experiment. Well, of course, some is known and some is not known. So he arrived there in uh, 1958 at the age of 16, which is pretty incredible. Um, brilliant mathematician. 1959 to 62, he was in a basically enhanced interrogation program run by a professor called Henry Murray. Henry Murray worked for the OSS in the Second World War, which was the precursor of the CIA. So uh, this was a basically breaking down your character ruthlessly, viciously, many, 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 many times over. So basically it's enhanced interrogation being practiced. There's a lot of allegations that Murray was directly funded by the CIA. I don't have documents to prove that. I'd be very surprised if it turned out that he wasn't. At the same time, there's a uh, doctor named Robert uh, Hyde, who was uh, MKUltra, which is a CIA mind control program, MKUltra contractor at Top Secret, who was in the Harvard hospital system, who is doing LSD experiments and giving LSD to a variety of different people. It's somewhere between possible and probable that he also gave LSD to Ted Kaczynski. But that hasn't quite been proven yet. So Kaczynski had issues going into Harvard. He was off the charts brilliant, yes, but you know his parents, his brother noticed that he was a bit off, uh, asocial, antisocial. He's probably the last guy um, who should have been undergoing this kind of um, experiment. Definitely. So pretty good chance today if he was a kid he'd get diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. But he's clearly not a highly resistant, highly resilient guy psychologically, because look what he turned into. And he was, you don't just develop mental illness like on four days after your 19th birthday, right? It tends to grow and develop, grow and develop. And we know the end of it was a very mentally disturbed recluse serial killer. Uh, more from the documentary in which you appeared, and we actually hear um, Kaczynski's voice and his interrogator's voice. Take a look. Interrupt me, please. On this uh, avoiding of, uh, of society or of this uh, society is a, is a bad thing. Is that why you're trying to grow that beard? No. I mean, are you conforming yeah. with the nonconformists? No, I'm not conforming with the nonconformists. Well, all if the non with the nonconformists. If I were conforming with the nonconformists, I mean, really, this isn't really a beard yet. You're darn right it's not. Ted was a child 
when he was exposed to these experiments. He was 16, 17. So it is absolutely possible that this study had a profound impact on Ted's neurobiological development. Man, that Mr. C sounded uh, really nasty. <laughs> what you, like just sadistic almost. It was outright sadistic, not kind of sadistic. I mean, it's basically a precursor of what we know goes on at Abu Ghraib and Guantanamo Bay. It was enhanced interrogation, early phase. Hey, I want to be clear. Look, we're not making excuses for Ted Kaczynski. I mean, he did these things. Uh, he was not insane and uh, evil guy and free will. And uh, I, I don't have sympathy for him, although I have a lot of sympathy for the victims and for his family. Great people uh, also featured in that documentary. All right. So the CIA, how much damage do you think they did um, in those years? And we're still living with it, you're saying? Uh, in all of their mind control programs, you mean? Just, uh, uh, I mean, overall, those programs, I mean, well, they're not still doing mind control programs, right? Uh, well, my position on that is, from a defensive point of view, they'd be negligent if they weren't. Because we have to have some sort of counterterrorism, intelligence savvy and know-how because of uh, mind control people who are being run at us. So I always separated what's the sort of national security imperative and what are the ethics of psychiatry. So I'm really leaning on the psychiatrists who participated in all these experiments and psychologists massive violation of uh, basic human decency, medical ethics. It's really malpractice in a very organized and widespread fashion. Well, if we torture their guys, they'll torture our guys. And I've always been concerned about that. But uh, listen, Dr. Ross, fascinating stuff. Your book is available. The CIA Doctors, Human Rights Violations by American Psychiatrists. And uh, the documentary that you appeared in was uh, excellent. The Unabomber in his own words on Netflix. Sir, many thanks. Anytime you want me back, I'm good for it. You bet. We'll, you bet. We'll be right back. Huh? Cuba to host secret Chinese spy base focusing on U.S.? Didn't Ronald Reagan beat the communists? Why are we dealing with this now? Because we are weak, at least perceived that way. And Joe Biden, I do believe, is responsible. Tony Blinken more or less confirmed that China has bases in Cuba. The Secretary of State said this not too long ago. With regard to, uh, to Cuba, um, when this administration took office in January 2021, we were briefed on a number of sensitive efforts by uh, Beijing around the world to expand their overseas logistics, uh, basing, collection infrastructure uh, to allow them to project and sustain military power at a greater distance. In fact, based on the information we have, the PRC conducted an upgrade of its intelligence collection facilities in Cuba in 2019. No, blaming the other guy, huh? Perfect swamp rat. Gordon Chang joins us. He is the author of The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S.-China Tech War. Welcome back, Gordon. And Blaine Holt, the retired Brigadier General of the United States Air Force. He's flown a million different airplanes, had a big job at NATO, and uh, we're, we're <laughs> great and we're blessed to have you guys both with us. 
Uh, that really did sound very, very typical swampy D.C. denial, right, General? It absolutely did. I mean, it's just nonsense. Look, they, they started their entire run with um, a thrashing from China uh, in Alaska, and all it's gotten is worse from there. We have got a wide-open southern border with Chinese units, units, coming across the southern border. We've got basing all over South America, uh, Cuba, Bahamas, uh, and and now we're learning about um, other clandestine operations. They have everything from cyber to water uh, and beyond. And and this night we are not safe from China, and yet we still have bankers that are convinced China's opening up and the markets are all going to be rosy. Um, yet we have a weak administration that refuses to deal with them, almost as if they were working for them. What? Yes, uh, hey, Gordon. Uh, you know we almost had a cold war. We almost had a hot war. With the Soviet Union, when they put their forces in Cuba and now this, and it barely kind of even registers. Strange, right? It is strange. And by the way, I think that China has had listening posts in Cuba well before 2019. There is longstanding reporting about not only a Chinese taking over the Lourdes facility, which was the Soviet Union's largest or second largest listening post outside of the Soviet Union, but also, they apparently have two other locations, one at Biucol and the other at Santiago de Cuba. So that's probably at least three of them. And clearly, the Biden administration, they wanted to blame Trump. But this probably goes back to the Obama administration and maybe even before that. And actually, like, they got to get their story straight because last week they seemed to be denying it altogether. This is that uh, Admiral Kirby guy uh, who I think used to be on Hollywood Squares uh, last <laughs> Thursday. China and Cuba have now reached a secret agreement, we are told, for China to establish an electronic facility on the island, which would allow Chinese intelligence services to scoop up electronic communications throughout the southeastern U.S. What is your reaction to this? Uh, look, I've seen that press report. Um, it, it's not accurate. You're saying it's not accurate that they're planning this? I'm seeing I, I, I'm saying we've seen the report. Uh, uh, it's not accurate. We're uh, we're focused on making sure that we can mitigate uh, any threats from from China in the region. It's that classic. If you tell the truth carefully enough, you never have to lie. I think the object is uh, is deception. Gentlemen, uh, if I can get you on the potential plan to evacuate Taiwan, if we can put this up, please. The U.S. is preparing evacuation plans for American citizens in Taiwan. Um, that sounds very, very well uh, like we're getting ready for war, like you've been warning us about, Gordon. Yes, and uh, clearly China's made it very clear that they, uh, they want to next Taiwan, and they're going to try and do it one way or the other. Um, we have been studiously not listening to what Xi Jinping and his generals are saying and what they're doing. And one of the things that Xi Jinping has been doing recently is purging generals and admirals who are opposed to war with Taiwan. And clearly right now um, we have I'm, I'm glad the Pentagon's thinking of, of evacuation plans. But what they really should be thinking about is deterring China in the first place, because if we do that, then we can maintain peace and stability, not only in East Asia, but also around the world, because Taiwan has become the test, the test of American credibility and resolve after the fall of Afghanistan. 
Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the fall of Afghanistan. That's going to be with us for a long, long time. General, just um, in war colleges that you've been to, uh, just how significant an event was that two years, almost two years ago? It's everything. You know, it's, it's probably our largest defeat militarily. We embarked on a war for very good reasons, and it went to an endless war that ended in nothing. And we've got all these vets, blood, treasure, and it just projected this weakness that the world, our adversaries, are still capitalizing on to this day. And I love what Gordon just said, because we need to respond and get out in front of things, not react to things. And in response, what we do is we start to shut down the Chinese machine with the elements of right. power we have before us, and they are formidable. And so we, we, we now have to do the smart thing. General Blaine Holt, thank you very much. Gordon Chang, thank you very much. Always uh, great to hear from you guys. Gordon, you, <laughs> you keep us up at night, though, with those tweets. Uh, and everybody should check them out, at Gordon G. Chang. Uh, thank you very much. We'll be right back. It's true. I am an America first, liberty loving Latino. That's why I know this country is worth fighting for. That's why the Chris Salcedo Show will always tell you the truth. The Chris Salcedo Show for the news you need to know. You've seen this video before, right? That uh, Marine hero, Daniel Penny, subduing Jordan Neely on that train after Neely threatened everybody and just a terrible situation. Now, uh, Jordan Neely later died. He had all kinds of drugs in his system, all kinds of problems. And it's crazy that Daniel Penny is being charged, but he's speaking out. He's being charged with, uh, I believe, manslaughter. I mean, really, I mean, tough stuff here. And um, But he's defending himself. Uh, they put this video out, his lawyers did, over the weekend. Take a look. And he was yelling, so I took my headphones out to hear what he was yelling. And... The three main threats that he repeated over and over was, I'm going to kill you, I'm prepared to go to jail for life, and I'm willing to die. I was scared for myself, but I looked around, I saw women and children, he was yelling in their faces, saying, saying these threats, I couldn't just sit still. And then some people say that this was about race, which is absolutely ridiculous. I didn't see a black man threatening passengers, I saw a man threatening passengers, it's a lot of whom were people of color. A uh, man who helped restrain Mr. Neely was, was a person of color. And I acted in a way that would protect the other passengers, protect myself, and protect Mr. Neely. I used this hole to restrain him, and I did this by leaving my hand on top of his head to control his body. You can see in the video there's a clear rise and fall of his chest indicating that he was still breathing. And I'm calibrating my grip based on, on the force that he's exerting. And you can see that in the video. Uh, seems like a fine young man. I've been on the subway. I have seen similar situations, not quite as intense, so he didn't have to get taken down. But wish Daniel Penny all the luck in the world. He doesn't deserve what he's going through. And I'll be right back. Thank you for watching, and we'll be back tomorrow night. All the best.